there are two stories here today for us that I think are, are just extremely important stories. And um, the first one, the first reading about Elisha, God says to him, now God is forming a very important prophet. Uh, like last week, remember when uh, um, Peter, James, and John went up on the mount with Jesus, who came and stood next to Jesus when he was uh, transfigured? It was Moses and Elijah. So Elijah was a significant prophet. And this is very early, I suppose, in his prophetic call. So God tells him, leave your cave and go outside there because the Lord is going to come to speak to you. So he goes out there. And a huge wind that was shaking everything was going on. And certainly Elisha thought, Elisha thought, oh, he'll be there in this powerful wind because this is a God of power. He's got to come in great power. But he wasn't there. He didn't hear him. And uh, then there was an earthquake and the earth shook. And he thought, surely God will be here in this shaking earth. That's how he's going to come to speak to me. Didn't come there. And then there was fire. Fire. And fire can destroy so much. Look what it just did to Maui. Fire. But God wasn't in the fire. So finally, you just heard this whole story, I realize, but finally Elisha goes out and there's a, just a gentle breeze, hardly noticeable. It's so quiet. And that's where God spoke. Now, I think that we sometimes have conceptions of God that I think we put our stuff, who we are, on God. And we have God act like us. I'm, I'm quite convinced. It's at least my conviction. I don't have, agree. I don't care if anybody else agrees with me. But I just don't believe that God punishes. I just don't. God is love. God is mercy. Um, and, and in John, the first letter of John, it doesn't say God is love sometimes. God is love when we're good. God is love if we do what he asks us. It's just God is love. God is love. Now, the reason I say that is because I don't think we are. We don't act like that. And I think one of the things that we do is we put on God the way we act. So, for example, if somebody hurts us, they should be punished. And that's what I think they thought God did. He acts just like us. But, at any rate, Elisha was thinking, God, surely... Surely he will come to speak to me with great power. But he didn't. He came to him in gentle, quiet breeze, hardly able to be noticed. That's where God spoke. So I ask you, how does he speak to you and when? Do we put limits on our God? God has to speak to us in these ways or in big ways. Maybe it's through your suffering and mine too. Maybe it's through our sinfulness. That's, I think, one of the most important places where God comes to us is our sin. Because, again, not like us who, when people sin and hurt us, sometimes we won't forgive them forever. At least I hear that in the confession all the time. I can't forgive this person. I can't forgive them. But, of course, we can. But God, do we limit him or will God embrace us when we're sinners? That's when I think he loves us the most. You know, after Peter denied him three times, look what Jesus did to Peter. 
he asked him three times after his three-time denial, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know everything. Why do you keep asking? You know I love you. So Peter, who denied him three times, Jesus pulled out of him three professions of love. That, to me, sounds like God. He'll take us in our sin and say, okay, I'm not going to leave you there. Come on. Let me work with you. Let me help you. And this is, this is true mercy in action. So mercifully does he tend to us. Come on. Come on. You are a sinner. Let me take that sin and make it better, make you better. Now, um, along with this story, we get a really good one with Peter. And last week at the Transfiguration, Peter went up on the mountain and Jesus was completely transfigured. It said that his face became like the sun. Now try to imagine that. You're talking to somebody and their face begins to glow bright red like the sun, almost like you can't look at it, it's too bright. And then, in addition to that, Moses, who's dead for many, many years, and Elijah, who's dead for many, many years, standing there next to Jesus on either side, talking with Jesus. Now, I said all the masses, so please don't be offended, but, but, you know, especially as children, did you ever have an experience, excuse me, where you wet your pants because you were so scared? I think this was a wet your pants scene for Peter. It must have been. His face is like the sun. And Moses and Elijah, they're talking to him. So what does Peter do? Of all things, who would have thought? He says, oh Lord, how nice of us to be with you here. We should, uh, we should make some tents for you, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah. And, and he just talks like as if nothing's happening. And then the cloud comes and God speaks out of the cloud and they fall to the ground and cover their face. They're so scared. Similarly, they're out in the boat middle of the night, middle of the morning, and the winds are so strong they think they're going to sink, they're, they're pretty scared. And then all of a sudden, they see Jesus walking on the water. What is this? They're scared to death. They think it's a ghost. They cry out, it's a ghost. They're terrified, terrified. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it is I. And then Peter does it again. Of all things that you could have said, you just thought that was a ghost, and Jesus reveals himself, said, it is I. So Peter has the nerve to say this, Lord, if it is you, if it is really you, call me out, let me walk on the water to you. And he does. Come. Now just pause and think of that scene. If it is really you, it's almost like putting Jesus to the test. Prove it. Call me out there, let me walk on the water. He says, Come. And he does. And he does. He gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. But what takes him down? Is it the wind and the waves? It's his fear. It's his fear of the wind and the waves. So as I read this story, I think of all the times I've sat in the confessional and how often I hear people talk of fear, not just in the confessional. People all the time share with me their fears. I know my own fears. And I believe that fear, fear and hatred 
There's some other things. Jealousy can be there too, but uh, refusal to forgive. Those are big spiritual issues that choke the soul. They choke the soul. And it's no surprise to me, twice in the gospel today, does Jesus say, don't be afraid. And almost every single time he healed somebody, he always said to them, almost every time, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because fear is a killer. It's a killer of our life. I hear in this scripture a call and an invitation to do what Peter at least, at least he had the sense, the good sense, as he was sinking in fear to cry out, Lord, save me. And that seems to me ought to be a phrase that is frequently on our lips. Every time that we feel fear or anger that's outrageous or anything else that chokes a soul, if at least even in our doubts, there's nothing wrong with doubting if we are willing to go the next step and say, Lord, save me, and reach out our hand to our Lord. Because the testimony of these scriptures is he'll always reach back. He'll always be willing to take us by the hand if we but trust in him.